Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, showing you the way to becoming a confident teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes feel like events, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. On the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into the episode. My name is Karen Fabian, and this is episode 255. So I am recording this on August 24th, 2023, and this will go live on August 28th, 2023. And I'm so excited to be recording this in part because today is just a huge day here in my house because uh, yesterday was Ben's last radiation treatment. Um, I mentioned for the first time last week that um, my boyfriend, Ben, my long time, we've been together 15 years this week, uh, boyfriend in, uh, in June found out that he had esophageal cancer. And the entire summer, he has been in a six-week treatment plan, chemo and radiation. And yesterday, the 23rd was his final day of treatment. So we still have a road ahead of us. He's got healing to do from the treatment, which was very aggressive. We've got follow-up scans that will be scheduled to see the progression or to see the um, deletion or the, the progress of the, or the effect of the treatment on uh, the cancer tissue. But we are highly optimistic. The treatment was, you know, very aggressive and, you know, we just are, very much looking forward to getting those future status checks. In terms of right now, we've got healing, we've got massage, we've got good nutrition going to be on the map. We've got a lot of time outside. We just really are now shifting gears into the second phase. The first phase was definitely the hardest for him, uh, but he took it like a champ and a warrior. And I've so much just admiration for, uh, for his mindset as he went through this really tough first phase. So, uh, that's the first thing I wanted to say, cause I'm just feeling like, not that my summer is just beginning, but I'm just feeling extraordinary relief that these six weeks are done. And, you know, the past couple of days, I've had a lot of interaction with teachers. I hosted a yoga class this week. Maybe you were there. I hosted a workshop last night. Maybe you were there. Uh, even if you weren't, I've had anywhere between 10 to 15 conversations via email a day uh, with teachers all over the world. I've had several phone calls with teachers. Maybe I talked to you. Um, so it, it really was a week that was filled with a, uh, a lot of interaction. And so I have a lot of thoughts 
uh, about themes that I've heard from teachers. And oftentimes these are the things that I bring to the podcast because the podcast is a chance for me to share these themes with you to see if maybe you also have these questions or you're also facing these problems. So I leverage this platform that I have as a way to speak to you. Uh, even if I haven't spoken to you directly on the phone or in an email, it's a way for me to connect with you. And I know from talking to several yoga teachers that they listen to the podcast. So oftentimes I'll talk to them on the phone or talk to them in an email and they'll say, Hey, I also listen to your podcast. So it's like a full circle thing. So this is going to be kind of a mixed bag uh, of six different themes uh, that I have heard this week. And I want you to listen to each one and ask yourself the following question. Does this apply to me? Um, and see, because you're going to know right out of the gate if it is something that resonates with you. And if it does, I really hope that you find this conversation helpful. If it doesn't, just kind of hang for the next one because you might very well in the next one, uh, you know, the next one may definitely resonate with you. So we're going to just dive right into it. So the first thing that I've definitely heard from several teachers, and they didn't literally say this, I had to actually reflect it back to them. Uh, the idea though, is that <laughs> uh, several of the teachers I talked to are making things way too complicated. And when I say things, I specifically am talking about sequences. Talked to several yoga teachers this week. Their sequences are way too complicated. I got on the phone with one teacher and she immediately started explaining to me the sequence. My head was spinning after about two minutes. If you're just merely explaining your sequence and your head is spinning, you can bet your students' heads are spinning as they are doing it. Further, if you are presenting a sequence that you have to practice to, in other words, you have to practice with your class, as this teacher told me she did in order to keep up with what comes next, that should be a massive fucking red flag to you that you're making it way too complicated. And so that brings me to the next question. Why are you making it too complicated? And usually between the making it too complicated and the what's the reason for it being so complicated lies the belief, which is, I have to make it complex, otherwise my students will get bored. I cannot tell you enough how this is a belief and not a fact. You don't know that from your students, your students have never said that, you're doing it because it is a belief you have that you need to make the sequences complicated in order to keep the students engaged. And that's not true. And in fact, the number one red flag to you that there's a problem is how you feel and what you're doing. So when a teacher says to me on a phone call, I'm, I need to practice the sequence in order to keep up with it, full fucking stop. That should be full fucking stop that the sequence is just too damn complicated for you to teach it. You are the teacher. They are not the teacher. You're driving the car. They are not driving the car. So if you teach a class and you go home at night and say to yourself, oh my God, I had to practice that class in order to keep up with the sequence, that should be full stop, uh, red flag to you to stop teaching that sequence. 
So that's number one. Number two, this belief that we need to make things complex in our sequencing in order to keep the students engaged or in order to get people in our classes or in order to keep people returning to our classes is chasing a tail that we will always be chasing. An empowered, confident teacher is one who has a plan and goes in and teaches to that plan without looking for response from the class as the feedback loop as to whether or not the plan worked. Okay, now, of course, there's nuance in everything. So sure, if you see people falling over, <laughs> like that's not a good sign. If you see them like dropping and sweat, puddles of sweat, huffing and puffing, yeah, take that nonverbal feedback to heart. But that's usually not the case. None of those things typically are happening. And that still is a perception that teachers have. So I'm really coming at you right out of the gate on this one, because I really want to relieve you of all the stress, of all the anxiety, of all the pressure that you're putting on yourself by believing these things I'm talking about. Like, honest to God, after this week, I really feel like I don't even need to teach skills anymore. I just need to teach mindset. I really just need to teach mindset because when I hear from teacher after teacher after teacher, the mindset challenges that they're having, honestly, it's getting in the way of your teaching. Like you could have amazing skills in cueing and sequencing, but your beliefs are so heavy on your shoulders that it's getting in the way of you being an effective, confident teacher. So that first one, feel for your red flags, notice your red flags. If you notice these red flags I'm talking about, full stop, do not teach that sequence again. Like don't do it and go back to the drawing board. Use my intentional sequencing method to create a sequence you can truly own and do and promise yourself you're going to stick to teaching that sequence until you can do it with one arm tied behind your back with not an even thought about how to teach it. If you don't have my training video on the intentional sequencing method, send me a DM on Instagram. Say, I heard on the podcast, you referred to your sequencing method. Send me the training video. I promise you, my method of teaching you sequencing is going to allow you to build a sequence fast without having to refer to a whole bunch of resources. So that's point number one. Point number two, decouple your teaching plan from what they think of it. Honestly, when you get this concept, you are going to fly into the studio, do your thing, fly home and live your damn life. You're not going to go into the studio freaking out, feeling nervous, go home and lay in bed and obsess over all the things that happened in your class and worry about whether or not people liked it. I am offering you an opportunity to reframe your role as a teacher such that you are decoupling, you are separating what you are doing from their reaction, from the student's reaction. Again, for the people in the back, yes, there is nuance. So don't come at me. Yes, there is nuance. I am not necessarily presenting this in a nuanced way. I'm sort of presenting it in a little bit of an extreme way to make the point. But of course, there's nuance. Again, people falling over, people super like overheated. And yeah, but in general, right now, there are too many teachers out there who are teaching with a coupling of how they're teaching to what's happening with their students, like how their students 
what they think their students are expecting or wanting. You are the teacher. If you're going in to a class and it's on the schedule as a mixed level class, like all levels, whatever you want to call it. And you go into that class and you notice, yeah, it's definitely mixed level. I have beginners. I have more experienced students. I have students I definitely know are more experienced because they come to my class a lot. And I know that about them. Or I have regular students that come to my class a lot. You're going into that room with a plan to teach a sequence. At least I hope you are, right? And so then you walk into the room and now you see this mixed bag of students or within the first five minutes, the first couple sun salutations, you're assessing who's in the room and, and that anxiety is starting to bubble up. Oh my God, I'm worried Bob over here is going to be bored because all these people in the front row are new. Oh my God, I see that person back there doing handstands in between their vinyasa. How do I know what I'm doing is going to be challenging? So now you're back on your heels. No, absolutely hard stop. You are the teacher. You are not there to entertain everybody who's there and to customize the sequence for everybody that's there. You're there with a plan. They are there of their own free will. If their experience in that class is it wasn't quote unquote hard enough, number one, that's a comment or a thought from a yoga student who is expecting to be catered to. The most advanced yoga student finds the challenge in the simplest of actions. That's what's so fucking profound about yoga. You can hold warrior two for five minutes and go deep into your own, you know, uh, I'm thinking not circle of hell. I'm thinking of the eight limbs of yoga, right? Go through that, that progression to Samadhi, right? You can go through Dharana and, you know, that is the sign of an experienced yoga student. An experienced yoga student doesn't say, oh, this isn't hard enough. And again, that's an assumption that we're making. So you go in as the confident teacher with your plan and you teach it and you decouple it from what you think they expect you to do. If you can do that alone, I promise you, your teaching will feel 100% lighter. Like it's really time we put on our capes, we put on our superhero capes, not to say that we're superheroes as yoga teachers, don't get me wrong there, but whatever it is, a cape, cool sunglasses, uh, uh, you know, Wonder Woman bracelets, uh, a cool hat, like whatever speaks to you as a sign of like, I'm putting this on and I'm going in as this confident, empowered teacher. I want you to think about that. Think about a song that pumps you up. Listen to that song before you go in to teach your class. Do things that are going to raise your energetic vibe so that you go into the class truly owning who you are as a teacher and the confidence that you have. If you don't have confidence and if all of this that you're hearing so far is falling flat, you need to contact me. We need to get you on the right track. My mission in this world is to get as many yoga teachers out there teaching confidently and with a high degree of skill around cueing and sequencing and understanding anatomy. If you are not in that mode, you need to contact me and let me know you heard this episode and I'm going to talk to you and find out if you're a yoga teacher I can help. Number three, trusting your intuition versus building skills. So this is a tricky one because we all want to be the type of person who trusts their intuition. And at the same time, when we look at intuition as more as a right as more of kind of a right brain paradigm or a right brain framework, 
or even a spiritual skill, like whatever lens you want to look at intuition through, right? We then have sort of the right brain, logical, more pragmatic side, which is the pro con list or just making a list or project plan or, you know, taking a look at opportunities, right? That's all kind of making a list of skills I have, making a list of skills I don't have, right? So there's always that balance. And yeah, it would be awesome if we could all just exist as yoga teachers and trust our intuition and have it guide us in the right way down the right path and allow us to do things with a high degree of confidence and skill. But the reality is intuition is, is by its nature, something that is drawing on your current reservoir of skill and knowledge. If we want to advance as teachers or, and or, if we want to add skills as a teacher, we need to go outside our intuition into the building skill arena. And what that means is we need to go get more information, more knowledge, more skills from someplace else, because us leaning into our own intuition and continuing to sort of you know, stir the pot of our own intuitive um, uh, thoughts and and our own knowledge where it lives right now, what we have right now about teaching yoga might not be enough. And the trigger to this is, let's say you uh, are teaching and you notice that you don't have you know, you're repeating your cues over and over again, or you really have a lot of questions about anatomy or it's taking you a long time to build your sequences. These are all, again, these are all red flags that there's a problem. Now you could certainly say, well, you know what? I'm just gonna sort of trust my intuition. I can figure this out. Well, first of all, intuition is not the way you figure out most of the skills-based problems that are out there for yoga teachers. The solution to skills-based problems is to is to learn the skill. And that lives in the more intellectual left brain side of things. And so then the question becomes, well, is it a skill that I can learn on my own or is it a skill that I could learn from someone else who already has that skill? And I guarantee you 365 days out of the year, it's always gonna be faster and twice on Sunday, it's always gonna be faster for you to learn it from someone who's already doing it right? Because if you try to learn something on, if I try to learn how to, you know, be a a Michelin star chef on my own, it's going to take me way longer than if I hire someone who already has a Michelin star restaurant and I apprentice with them. So this is what I mean. And this often comes up when I speak to yoga teachers, they're sort of in this mode of, they know they have some problems. They know they want some skills that they don't have right now, but there's this sense that, well, I can sort of figure it out on my own. And that always, that always, well, first of all, you know, you have agency to decide whatever you want. No one can force you to do anything and you have free will and you can decide to do whatever you want. It's just that it's really hard to solve a problem. And this is an Einstein paradigm um, at the level of, I think it's, it's hard to solve a problem at the level of thinking 
that caused the problem, right? So if you're teaching and you have a certain number of problems, one problem, two problems, three problems, and usually the red flag for teachers that they have problems is how they feel. I don't feel confident. I'm nervous when I go into the room. I feel like I need to practice with my class all the time because I'm afraid to stand there and let them see me. Those are all the triggers that highlight the fact that there's a lack of skills, specific skills. Again, in the areas I'm already talking about, cueing, sequencing, and understanding anatomy. And so if you go off on your own and you try to solve those problems on your own, it's the level of thinking that you've demonstrated that ca that's causing those problems along with a lack of training to give you those skills. And so for you to go off on your own and try to figure this out, is going to take such a long time. So I just share that with you because if you're at the point right now where you know you've got some problems, you're having some of these feelings that I'm talking about, just get in touch with me. Let's have a conversation. Of course, it's your decision ultimately if you want to work with me. But the bottom line is to say, like, I'm going to just trust my intuition. Um, and I hear, I'm not hearing this from just one teacher. So if you're hearing this part of the podcast and you're thinking, oh my God, is she talking about me? I mean, I might be, but just know that I've heard this from a handful of teachers. Because look, when someone says to me, I'm going to trust my intuition, the other kind of embedded message in there is I don't really want to spend the money. I don't really want to spend the money. And I get that. I mean, everybody's got different situations going on in their life right now. And sometimes, you know, you just don't want to spend the money on something. So give it a shot. Just know that that's what you're doing and just have this understanding. So maybe a middle road is you say to yourself, you know what, I'm going to go it on my own for 30 days and I'm going to check back with you and I'm going to let you know where things are at. Or you're just going to say to yourself, I'll check back with her and you'll stay in touch with me via Instagram and blah, 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 the podcast, et cetera, et cetera. So I wanted to just bring that up because again, this whole idea of solving a problem by yourself when the problem's being created because of some, especially around all this belief stuff, it's really hard to crack that code on your own. I just want to make one little caveat uh, statement here. For many teachers, and this could be you as well, the reason that there's a lack of skills is because you've never been taught some of these skills in a way that you can understand it. And this absolutely 100% goes for the anatomy piece, although it does also apply to the cueing and sequencing piece. And I had a conversation on Instagram recently um, and the comment was made, you know, well, Karen, you have background in rehab and physical therapy. I can't remember exactly what the person said because I've mentioned that and it's on my website, my background in, in rehab medicine and, and that sort of thing. And so the, you know, basically the idea was, well, Karen, you have this science background. So, you know, you have sort of a leg up when it comes to understanding anatomy. Know this though, because this is absolutely a belief. It doesn't matter what your background is. You could be someone that has no background in science. You could be working as an accountant. You could have tried to learn anatomy before and it was an epic fail. It does not matter. What I always say to yoga teachers, and my experience bears this out in my own program and working with teachers, if you've tried to learn anatomy before and it's been difficult, it has nothing to do with you or your background. It simply is a matter of how it's being presented to you. And you just haven't had it presented to you in such a way that you can understand it. 
The hallmark of how I teach anatomy is it's 10 steps and it's just the stuff you need to know for teaching yoga. And it's contained within my program where I work with you one on one. That's what makes it different. If you think for one second, I'm going to send you off to watch my videos and never talk to you on a Zoom momentum coaching call, you are wrong. I know that if I just send you to watch videos, you ain't going to learn it. You'll learn some of it, but you sure as hell won't be able to apply it. And that's why my program has coaching calls. And that's what makes it different. And that's what makes it work. And that's why it doesn't matter what your background is in science. And it doesn't matter if you've tried to learn it before. And this is another belief that holds teachers back. This belief that, you know, if you don't have that sort of background, you can't understand anatomy. And that's why I want to speak to it because when you're watching my stuff on Instagram and TikTok, or listening to the podcast and hearing me talk about anatomy. And if you think, oh, well, she can understand anatomy because she has a background in rehab medicine and physical therapy. I mean, I'm, I wasn't a physical therapist, but I thought I wanted to be. So I went through the PT program at BU. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I think you get my point. I don't want you to have a perception about me and think there's something special about me with respect to I can understand anatomy and you can't. It so much has to do with the way it's presented. And the reason that it is so problematic for teachers is because Yoga Alliance simply says anatomy needs to be taught. It does not say how. And so over the years, when I've talked to so many teachers, there's a million gazillion ways anatomy is being presented. And so that is so much of the problem. Okay, done with that one. Next thing. I am in this conversation, this part of the conversation, speaking to yoga teachers who are over 50. So if you're not over 50, listen and enjoy. Here's the deal, people. I'm hearing from way too many yoga teachers who are over 50 that they think they're too old. And they may not say to me that they think they're too old, but I'm a good reader of what is not being said. Like I can read like between the lines when I'm having a conversation with a teacher and it's kind of like they're saying all this other stuff. And I really know that under there is a belief that they think they're too old. And in that conversation about, I think I'm too old, again, not literally said, Instagram always comes up, stuff that people are seeing on Instagram. So let me say number one, and I said this in an Instagram video I did recently, and I got a lot of exposure. It really resonated with people. We need yoga teachers of all different ages, shapes, sizes, colors, sexual orientations. We need everything. We need more people out there teaching yoga that look like people in the world. And I don't, I don't care what's on Instagram. You go into your class and you own who you are. And if you are over 50 and maybe 50 is not the exact number, I don't care. You get the gist, right? Um, of the point of what I'm trying to say here. Own that. That is part of what makes you unique. And, you know, we don't have to go into the benefits of age and wisdom and, and all of that. I just wanted to make the statement because really, really catch yourself if you're starting to have those feelings about I'm too old. And, you know, that is again, going back to what I said at the beginning, a red flag, full stop, 
that's a time for you to sit with yourself and say, what's really going on here? And that would be a perfect thing. Connect with me. Let's talk through it. I had a, a really amazing heart to heart with a teacher in her seventies, right before I hopped on to do this podcast recording. And I mean, this woman is amazing. Matter of fact, I had another conversation this week with another teacher in her seventies, and she is specifically teaching people in her community that are 70 plus. I mean, come on. If I could tell you how many videos are on TikTok right now by physiatrists and physical rehab medicine specialists and physical therapists that are specifically teaching people on TikTok mobility exercises that are so important to do. And the average TikTok user, I think, is probably under 30. And they're already teaching that stuff. And these videos are getting a shit ton of likes. People want this information, number one. And number two, the people who really need this information are people 50, 60, 70. Matter of fact, I just watched a video on TikTok before, uh, I don't know, earlier today um, from not Jamie Foxx. Uh, oh God, what's the comedian? He was in the um, movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger, not Jamie Foxx. Oh my goodness gracious. I can't remember his name. He's the short, uh, the shorter guy. Anyway, he um, was playing, playing, he was, oh, he was running a race with an NFL football player and he like didn't blow out his hamstrings and Achilles, but he really injured himself. Matter of fact, on the video, um, he was talking about not Chris Rock. Oh God, I can't think of the name. He was talking about, he almost tore one of his abductors and he goes, I don't even know what an abductor is. And, um, oh God, I wish I could remember his name. And, uh, it was so funny, but it was a perfect illustration because in the video he was saying, oh my God, this is definitely something I shouldn't have done. I'm over 40. Don't do this kind of stuff when you're over 40. And I was watching this thinking, dude, 40 is young. Come on. But like, again, this is what I mean. It's so important. So if you're out there and you're over 50 and you are teaching own who you are and know that what you are doing, especially if, well, not only, especially if you're teaching people in the older adult age group, but also if you're teaching people of any age, you are demonstrating resiliency, flexibility, strength at any age. And I mean, what an inspiring um, message to give people. And plus, you know, when you have people come to your class who are over 50, they're going to look and be like, oh my God, look at that yoga teacher. They're, they look like they're around my age. So, uh, so I just wanted to mention that because that came up in a couple of calls. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is teaching classes where you have multiple levels of students. And this sort of ties back to uh, one of the earlier things I was talking about in terms of decoupling your teaching plan for that class versus the student's expectations or what you think the student's expectations are. And, you know, I know you might be going into classrooms where you have people of different levels. And, and number one, what I would say is even though in that early part of the sequence, when you're noticing there's people of different levels of experience in your class, I highly encourage you to stick to your plan because as soon as you try to switch it up in the heat of the moment, 
to cater to a to a certain group of students or student out of a perceived need that they need you to do that, you're going to be thrown off course. And that's not going to benefit anybody, not you, not them. So when you go into a class, you have a plan, stick to the plan. Number two, recognize, you know, and again, take it or leave it. It's, uh, you know, I'm not here to convince you, but recognize that just because you have more experienced students in your class doesn't mean you have to change your plan to all of a sudden add all these advanced variations. If you feel comfortable just throwing those things in, you could do that, but you don't need to do that because, uh, you know, any yoga student is there to just take a yoga class. They don't necessarily need to have every class take them to their, their bleeding edge, right? So there's that. Number three, you know, when you're building your sequences, decide at the start of building your sequence, like what is the intention? What is the point of the sequence? Who is the sequence designed for? And if it's designed to be an all levels class, then that's the sequence you're going to build. And when you go into the classroom, that's the sequence you're going to present. So you don't necessarily need to teach you know, some sort of advanced variation or arm balances or, you know, poses that might be considered super challenging because out of a perceived need that people need you to do that. So I would say, you know, I always approach my sequence building from the perspective of how can I make this as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's easy. It just means it's got a high degree of accessibility. And when I think about what makes a sequence highly accessible, it means that the joints are not going to be put into a demand zone where they're needing to go through a lot of different ranges of motion that take them to end range. If I teach an accessible class, it's going to have a lot of fundamentals in it. And it's going to be emphasizing fundamental skill building. And oddly, taking us back to five minutes ago, when I talked about those videos on TikTok from the functional medicine people, that's the kind of stuff they're emphasizing. Getting up from sitting without using your hands, you know, uh, different core work, stabilizing work, balancing work, like that's all functional movement. And that's what people are doing these days, right? That's what people are emphasizing. I've talked about in videos on TikTok, when you get older, if you break your hip, your life expectancy goes down. Your life expectancy goes down because the, the related complications from hip fractures in older adults is eventually what kills them. It isn't really the hip fracture and it shortens their lifespan. So this speaks to how important all these movements are, all these um, poses and, and lessons we can bring in around stability and widening the base and using the core and, you know, strengthening, especially muscles like gluteus medius, which is a lateral hip stabilizer, which tends to be really weak in people. I mean, honestly, there is so much that lives in this functional, accessible, fundamental arena that doesn't require anybody stand on their hands. And you're going to give everybody in the class, so much value. So that's it for today. I hope you found this helpful. If you're still listening, my guess is you did. Uh, and I so look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Uh, and in the meanwhile, if you have questions, send me Amandi, send me your questions on um, Instagram and the DMs. And uh, I look forward to talking to you on the next, on the next show. 
So thank you so much for listening and I'll, and I'll chat with you on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And the fact that you're still here and still listening is not lost on me. So thank you so much. Couple of things. If you have any questions, please contact me. Send me what your questions are directly to my Instagram DM. You can find me there at Bare Bones Yoga. The next thing I hear so much from yoga teachers that they want to be confident. They want to feel more confident. They don't want to have that nervous feeling in their stomach when they get up to teach. They don't want to stumble over their words. They want to create sequences fast and not spend so much time writing out their sequences and practicing their sequences. And they so much want to just walk around the room rather than being tied to the mat and practicing the entire sequence with their class. If any of this hits home for you and you want to develop into a more confident, authentic teacher in the next 30 days, I want you to DM me confident teacher heard it on the podcast, and I will show you exactly how you can get there. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next episode.